and um, we're ready to worship the Lord in word besides in song that set the tone for us thank you glad to have you here this morning and to come and worship with us uh, last night Janet and I went over to Jeff and Jana's house that was uh, a rare thing on a Saturday night because usually I'm home on Saturday night studying since we had a guest speaker this morning we got invited over and I took the opportunity we went over and played a couple games and uh had a chance to talk a little bit. And I was talking to Jana, my youngest, and we were just briefly mentioned about some friends of hers, and they were going to this certain church. And I thought, well, what attracted them over there? You know, we got to talking about things that people desire nowadays for church. You know, they got this program, things are exciting over there, it's growing or whatever. And I I made the comment, and and she basically amended it. She said, me too, that I always feel attracted to go where I get fed the Word of God. That's my thing. I want to know where the truth is, and that's what attracts me. And that's why I think you're here. Above everything else, that's why I appreciate you so much and appreciate this church. But I also appreciate men who love the truth and I'm really glad that we have Jim Brooks here and his family to worship with us this morning and also to speak with us and uh, we've had a chance to share in his life and of course I'm sure you'll give us a little update when you come up here brother Jim but we'd like to hear about that and really don't know how to tell you how much <laughs> since you said you'd come in one week how much we've been looking forward to having you here but it's we're, we're a delight so come on up here and Whatever the Lord's got for you, just give it to us. I feel a little foolish carrying this thing, but I've had to go uh, with Angel a couple of times shopping. I've had some trouble with um, being a little lightheaded and off balance, so I had to I guess come to the conclusion which would be more embarrassing, me falling out in the middle of the grocery store aisle or carrying a cane. Um, Angel and I would, or we all, would like to thank you so much for your generosity and your kindness, your prayers uh, toward us. They've been um, not only beneficial to us physically, but they've been a huge encouragement to us uh, spiritually and emotionally. You know, it's been kind of an interesting roller coaster ride um, uh, since we got back from the conference in Jacksonville, which is when we went to um, the doctor's appointment, and uh, they gave us the diagnosis of cancer. And of course, after seeing all the specialists, the news wasn't getting any better. And um, um, the message that, uh, or the thought that I'll bring to you this morning, I actually, a lot of it came from Royce. Didn't even change the topic. And the Lord gave it to me before I actually had to go back into the hospital for emergency surgery. And uh, this is something that's become very, very personal and very um, um, practical, I guess you could say, in my life. And uh, and hopefully it will always remain the case and that this will become even sweeter and more uh, applicable in my life as time goes on. Um, 
I guess the thing that was probably been the most difficult to give up for me was I'm fiercely independent. And an angel can tell you. And so after the surgeries and whatnot, it was, um, it was one of those things that independence has kind of been taken away for a while. I've become having to become dependent, and, uh, and that's not an easy thing. But whatever the Lord chooses in this path that he has ordained and prepared before me, I pray that he gets all the honor, the glory, and the praise. Um, I'm thankful that the Lord has counted me, uh, I won't say worthy to suffer, I don't think it's exactly suffering for the gospel of the kingdom, but that he's counted me worthy to suffer, and I pray that I'm obedient, wise, and faithful. And the topic of this um, this morning's message is simply the secret place. And uh, I'm sure many of you remember it. If not, it's, uh, it's on the website. Royce taught it first, so I'll give him credit. But I added some of my own thoughts, and this was... Um, um, this was the place that as the bad news was coming that I often sought the Lord's face to go and spend time with him. And uh, one of the first things, if you'll turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy 29, 29. Sorry, my thoughts are just a little scattered starting out. I know exactly where I was going with the text, but the update <laughs> I'm not so good with. I feel kind of like the, the preacher... It was his custom uh, when he got up to speak, he would take a few minutes and pray and a little girl in the congregation come up and ask him what he was doing. And he said, I pr I'm praying that the Lord will give me a good and meaningful message that he'll give me the words that the congregation needs to hear. And the little girl said, well, when is he going to answer? So Deuteronomy 29, 29, you know, oftentimes if you go into the Christian bookstores or you look uh, on television and like Alan was referencing what people are looking for in the church, people are looking for secret things. They're looking for some new revelation of God or new, some new gimmick or trick or formula to, to approach God. God's told us how to approach him in his word. And there are certain things that we are looking for and looking to try to, to identify and, and to, to come to a knowledge of that the Lord says is not our business. You know, the Lord has some secrets that he's not going to share with us. Um, you know, you look on the bookshelves and you find uh, someone's uh, published a new book telling you the exact date and time that the Lord's going to return or who the Antichrist is. You know, those are things that we're told that we're not going to know. It's not our business. And so Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine tells us something. The secret things belong to whom? The Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to whom? Not only to us, but also to our children. And these things have been revealed for a purpose, that we may do all the words of this law. And in modern vernacular, it would simply be that we may obey his word. Now, you can, look at a, you can look at something that's veiled, and I mentioned the identity of the Antichrist or the coming of the Lord, but in Judges 13, 17 through 18, and you needn't turn there, an angel appears to announce Samson's birth. And Manoah asks this angel what his name is, that when the sayings come to pass that they may do him honor. And the angel simply replies, 
uh, why astest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? That angel's name was never revealed to Manoah. He came, he delivered the message, and it was from the Lord God, and that was all Manoah needed to know. Now, there are other things that the Lord chooses to reveal. We're told in Psalms 27, uh, 14, that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and that he will show them his covenant. Proverbs 25, 2, we're told it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out the matter. And lastly, in this example, we see in Daniel 2, verses 17 through 23, where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it is veiled from his understanding. And Daniel comes with his companions, Mishael, Azariah, um, and Hananiah, and he makes this thing known to them, and they seek God's face that this matter would be revealed to them. And it was said in verse 19 of chapter 2, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. There are some things that the Lord will show us. And the word of the kingdom is one of those things that has been semi-veiled through the prophets in the Old Testament, but now has been made known to us. Now, what's the purpose for the unveiling or, or, or the, the secret things? You know, the Lord created man that he could spend time with him. When we look back in the Garden of Eden, man was placed in a garden. A garden in the Oriental mindset was a place where a king or one who was wealthy would, would plant this garden in their home or by their home, and that's where they would go spend their leisure time. Oftentimes for kings, they would have it stocked with wild game. They would have it with pleasant fruits and flowers, and that's where they would retreat with their families and where they would be refreshed and where, where they would get away. That's where the Lord put us or desires to put us. He put Adam and Eve there. We, we managed to be evicted. But one day we'll be back in a place where we are in a garden of God, where we're hopefully going to be in that holy city, where we can fellowship with God in a way that we have not been able to before. So what's the purpose of the secret place? One, where the Lord can spend time with us and show us things, the things that he has for us and for our children. But it's also an issue of fellowship. And in Job 29, verses 1 through 5, we begin to look at the secret of God in a transition and in, 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 with regard to that fellowship. Job 29, beginning in verse 1, or as my son used to call it, the book of Job, and he'll be finding out more about that book in a, in a few more months. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, Oh, that I were as in the months past in the days when God preserved me. When his candle shined upon my head and when his light, or, I'm sorry, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle or my place of habitation. When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me. Now, if you'll turn over in your Bible, this is the, these are the portions of Scripture that I really want to to bring to you. In the 27th Psalm, verses 4 through 6, and uh, I can see, 
I can see the clock in the back, but I think I'll go by my watch. I haven't switched to daylight savings time. I've got quite a bit of time, so y'all just get comfortable. (laughs) Psalm 27, verses 4 through 6. And I want you to notice something, and if you mark in your Bible, which I do, there are certain things that I mark out um, that just really seem to, to draw my attention to them. And I want you to notice something beginning in verse 1. Look at the focus of the psalmist here. One thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord. Can we say that? And notice what he says. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's what he desired. That's what he was seeking after. You know what? That's what we should be seeking after. Why, you know, going back to the, I guess what you'd call the postmodern church, we're not interested oftentimes in the things of the Lord. We're interested in amusements. And I like what Brother Wilson used to say about amusements. You know, in the Greek, the A is a, is a prefix that means without or absence of. To muse means what? To think. So when we go to church for amusement, what are we going for? We're going to a place where we don't have to think. Do you know that's completely contrary to what the Lord tells us? Come, let us what? Reason together. You know, we're told in the latter days that men will be what? Unreasonable. And we're in that age. We're more interested in how many children's program. Well, I won't get off on that topic. We're not interested in what the Lord would have. But look what the psalmist says. This one thing have I desired, this one thing I'll seek after, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? To behold the beauty of the Lord. To inquire in His temple. Aren't there things in the Lord's Word that you have questions over that just really kind of gnaw at you and you really want to know? You know, when I was in my early 20s, I thought I had the kingdom doctrine pretty well wrapped up. Thought I pretty well understood it. Now I've got more questions than I have answers. And every time I go, I've got more questions than than the ones that he just answered. Now I want you to notice something in verse 5, and this is where it it become meaningful um, to me. And this is one of the prayers. I hate needles, by the way. And I wound up with a blood clot in my right arm, so any time that they took blood or gave me a shot or anything, it was always in the left arm. And since I was on blood thinners, uh, that arm was beginning to look pretty interesting after about four days. (laughs) So every time they would come in, they're like, it's a little needle. It's not a little needle. To me, it looks like you're coming at me with a straw. Um, But this is one of the prayers that that we prayed as the doctors and the nurses did whatever, and they they were really good to us. And the Lord was, was very gracious. But in verse 5, the Lord says, In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion and the secret of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And you know, my mind immediately went to uh, a couple of places in the Scripture. And this hopefully will tie in, and I'll I'll hurry to get there. 
In Exodus 33, verses 18 through 23, and you needn't turn there because I'm going to run out of time if I... Y'all are familiar with the story where you remember when Moses asked to see the glory of the Lord. He asked to see the Lord's face. What did the Lord tell him? Where did the Lord put him? Do you remember? If they don't say yes, Alan, we're talking later. (laughs) The Lord put Moses in the cleft of the rock. And he told him, no man has seen my face. But the Lord said, I will make all of my goodness pass before thee. You know, that's a lot of goodness. He allowed the Lord, or he allowed the Lord. Moses didn't allow the Lord anything. The Lord allowed Moses to see his hinder parts, his back parts, but his face would not be seen. Now, if you want to mark that in your Bible, I'd recommend it. It's Exodus 33. Uh, verse 22, where the Lord says, My glory, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Now, there's an interesting parallel to this in 1 Kings, verses 19, verses 9 through 13. Who do you think this is with? Elijah. Interesting trial in Elijah's life. Here he uh, he's able to destroy many prophets. A great day for Elijah. He calls fire down from heaven. He destroys the false prophets. And he runs from one mad woman. He was a smart man. I try not to make Angel mad now. I don't move quite as fast as I did before, so I can't get away from her. Uh, But Elijah was struggling when Jezebel sought to, to pursue after him and to kill him. And so he ran. And twice we're told that that while Elijah slept, an angel came and he woke Elijah up and he gave him bread and he gave him water. Interestingly enough... He was able to travel for 40 days upon that food provided by the angel, 40 being a number of the kingdom. And when he came, he came to the same place that the Hebrew children came. And if you look in verse 9 of 1 Kings 19... And it says he came thither unto, and it has a cave. It's not a cave, it's the cave. And he lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he asks Elijah this question twice. What doest thou here, Elijah? Where was Elijah supposed to be? not running from Jezebel. But interestingly enough, the Lord really doesn't reprove Elijah. He reveals himself to Elijah in a special way. We see the things that pass by and we see where the Lord... The Lord wasn't in those things. We look in verse 11 and it said, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains 
and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, what came? A still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Three things occurred before the Lord revealed himself to Elijah. The wind, the fire, the earthquake. And the Lord was in none of those visible or physical things that's easily tangible. Oftentimes, it's the still, small voice that can quiet the storms, that can quiet the fears, that can quiet the anxiety. Now, back in our text in the 27th Psalm, we'll look at this last verse and we'll move on. While we're hidden in that pavilion and in that secret tabernacle, it says, And now shall mine head be lifted up, where? Above mine enemies. And where are those enemies? Around about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle. Where was that tabernacle? It was that secret place before earlier on, was it not? I will... Offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Look with me just a few chapters over in the 31st Psalm, verses 19 through 20. Beginning in verse 19, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that what? That fear thee, and which thou hast wrought for them that what? Trust in thee. Before whom? Before the sons of men. Now, how often are we told that we have no need to fear the Lord today? We have our own mentality of a buddy Jesus that has all. All venues of divinity and righteousness and judgment removed. But his goodness is laid up for those that fear him and those that trust in him before men. And how many times have you been told and saying, well, what are you going to do about this? Or what are you going to do about? I'm trusting the Lord. Well, well, that's kind of a foolish Answer. That's kind of an irresponsible thing to do. Well, not according to the word of the Lord. You're put in a situation that you have no control in, that, that control has really been moved beyond your ability. What else do you have but to trust in the Lord? And if you can trust in Him in those times, why can't you trust Him in the simpler things? In verse 20, it says, Thou shalt hide them, where? In the secret of thy presence, from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep or guard them secretly in a pavilion, 
from the strife of tongues. How many of you have ever gotten tongue lashed before? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Seems to be the favorite church pastime. I don't know if it's like a new sport or, or, or what, but but it's in the secret in his pavilion, or it, thou shalt keep them, guard them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Now, turn over a few more chapters into the 91st Psalm. Are you starting to see some of the things that the Lord wants to do for you? And are you starting to see where those things can be obtained? Oftentimes, we're worn out as believers. We're worn out by the trials. We're worn out by having to carry the armor. We're worn out by trying to keep up this appearance of everything is great and grand and there's nothing wrong and so on and so forth. And when we finally get home and we can feel like we can peel off the armor and we have a little bit of, a little bit of reprieve, we bark at the first person that comes up to us. Why? We're tired. Do we not realize how often that the Lord went away or went aside by himself to rest? How often he called the disciples away for a little bit of a time of refreshing? And quite honestly, if the Lord, and the Lord will permit, and I'll take him up on it as much as he'll let me, how often we need to be praying to, to, to have a little bit of time away in that secret place that the Lord can minister to us in a special way that he can reveal himself to us in a special way, that he can teach us, that he can encourage us and strengthen us. In the 91st Psalm, beginning in verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High... Now, I want you to notice some of these things. Here's a secret place. And he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, this is where subtlety comes in. Pay attention to some of these small details. They'll sneak up on you later, maybe. He that abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from what? The snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. Who do you think this, the fowler is? Doesn't he catch his prey oftentimes by subtlety? Baiting the nets, do we not have a fowler that's out to seek our soul by deception, by subtlety? But the Lord says that he can deliver us from the snares of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. In verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers. Why do you think the Lord says here that he'll cover you with his feathers? Are there any avid bird watchers? You like to watch them? I like to watch sometimes from the back of the porch. You see the cardinals and the blue jays and, and whatnot coming through. Let me ask you. It sounds stupid, but just think about it. What would you, what, how would those birds look without those feathers? Probably pretty good besides some potatoes and biscuits, I guess. But How do you think those birds would look without feathers? You know, those feathers are the glory of that bird. Whose glory are we being covered with? It's not ours. Well, it was not mine. There's not any good thing in me. So, yeah, 
If he covers me with his feathers, he's covering me with his own glory. Under his wings shalt thou trust. You know, we oftentimes, we talk about bulls, we talk about all these other animals that are strong, they're huge, they're able to carry heavy loads. When you talk about strength with regard to a bird, oftentimes it's talked about by how far they fly, right? How far they migrate in the winter or wherever they go. The wings here represent his strength. It is under his strength that we shall trust, not our own. Our strength is fleeting and finite at best. His is infinite. It can never fail. It will never fade away. It will always be sufficient for the trial at hand. And notice that it is his truth that shall be the shield and the buckler. And it is able to extinguish not some, but all of the fiery darts of our adversary. Now, I want you to notice in verse 5, and it seems to be a little redundant, there are four things that are listed here with regard in creation. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by when? By night. Nor the arrow that flieth by day. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in the darkness. Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noon, the noonday. What's the Lord saying here? There's no time that the Lord is not prepared to defend you and able to defend you. The same thing that was said with regard to the nation of Israel is also uh, applicable for the church. He that keepeth Israel, he that keepeth you and I, or me, or however that's that supposed to go, I never can keep that straight. He that keepeth us neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't need a vacation. He doesn't have to go eat a meal if he doesn't want. God is all places at once, simultaneously. He has all strength, all power. And He is able to defend us at any time. Now, I want you to notice something, and we'll skip down to verse 9. There are three becauses that are listed in this psalm. Because thou hast made the Lord... And, of course, you're looking at a, at a phrase, which is my refuge, even the most high. But if you look, thou hast made the Lord thy habitation. If you take out, not that you need to take out, but if you, if you read past that which is separated out in the commas, thou hast made the Lord thy habitation. Aren't we talking about dwelling with the Lord in his secret place? Abiding in the presence of the Lord? What does he say? There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Uh, and this was the phrase that was used by Satan in testing the Lord. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thy dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Why? Verse 14, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Why? Because he hath known my name. And we talk about Jesus or we talk about Jehovah 
or Elohim or El, how many believers really know the name of the Lord and what it really means? Verses 15 and 16, he shall call upon me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What salvation do you think that is? Now, where does this all tie in together? And if you'll just be patient with me. Turn over in your Bibles to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood. By by the way, what's the difference between an apple tree and wood trees? I know that's a stupid question. The fruit. As an apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under what? His shadow. Does that sound familiar? Well, it should because we just looked at it in Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. My mind with this went back to the 17th Psalm, verses 8 and 15. Keep me... As the apple of thine eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Now look in verse 4 of the second chapter of the Song of Solomon. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am... Sick of love, and that doesn't mean what we think it means today. The modern vernacular is she was lovesick or smitten of love. His left hand is under my head, his right hand doth embrace me. Now, look on down into verse 8. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, three things are said about the way uh, or, or what he's doing. He standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, and he showeth himself through the lattice. Have you ever looked, tried to look at somebody through the lattice, lattice work? You can see an eye, but you miss the nose. You can see a little bit of... You know, the Scriptures tells us that we... Uh, we look and we do not see fully. We examine through the word of the Lord, seeking to, to see his face, and we don't see it fully, but one day we will. Notice what he says in verse 10, My beloved spake and said unto me, and he says this twice in these passages, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and do what? Come away. Why? Why? Verse 11, for lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. What grows in the wintertime? Not much, does it? 
oftentimes we associate winter with, with, with death and with, with dreariness. As we see the birds fly away, we don't see the flowers budding or blooming, the trees dry up. Verse 2, I think we can all look at that with great anticipation. The rain is over and gone. He uses these things to, d- to display a change of time and a change of season. And we begin to see this change, uh, what it's changed unto in verses 12 through 13. Five things are said here, five being a number of grace. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds has come. And it's literally the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with tender grape uh, give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. I'm looking forward to hearing that one day. Aren't you? A coming day where the things that have been drear and, and, and we see the death and the suffering and the toil will one day pass away and we'll be looking at a bright and glorious day. Now notice something with me in verse 14. You remember the cleft of the rock? You remember the secret places. Song of Solomon is a song dealing with whom? Solomon and his wife or the Lord Jesus and his bride. Now look at what it says in verse 14. O my dove, that art, where? In the clefts of the rock. What happened to Moses and Elijah when they were in the cleft of the rock? The Lord revealed himself to those two men in a special way. A more intimate way than within, well, I won't say within, with, with, than, than anyone else, but he revealed himself to these men in a special way that hasn't happened again that I'm aware of, unless some of you have been called into the cleft of the rock. I haven't gotten that invitation yet. And notice, in the secret place of the stairs... Colin Delich refers to this as the rocky stairs of the mountain, which I would be inclined to agree with, indicating that that cleft of the rock is inaccessible by any other means than the way that the Lord has provided or created. And as we abide in that secret place, we are in a place that is in seclusion, that is separated from, from everything else. Why? So we can focus on the Lord and he can teach us and spend time with us without us being distracted. Now, what does he ask? What does the bridegroom ask? Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. Why? For it is sweet or for for sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely. Why? Why? Why wouldn't it be? Can we spend time with the Lord without being changed? And we're to be molded and shaped into his image and his likeness. Three things I'll leave with you with regard to the kingdom and to the believer, with regard to the secret place, even with regard to our works, is Matthew 6. In verse 4, the Lord is telling his disciples... 
that when we do our alms, how are they supposed to be done? In secret. That thy father, which is where? In secret. Will see and reward thee openly. The same is said as when we pray to our Father, which is in secret, that the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And in verse 17, when we fast, we fast unto our Father which is in secret, and he would reward us openly. The sad part with this is we have the invitation. The Lord desires to spend time with us. Oftentimes in that secret place I've found it's not always about spending time in Bible study. It's not always about spending time in prayer. And yes, those things are important. But you know what? Sometimes there are times when you just can't focus on the Word. And when you just don't have words to pray. And you just sit quietly before the Lord. And he makes himself real. Not just in that situation, but to you personally. And oftentimes we look at at certain things and we say, well, we're too busy to spend time with the Lord. Well, you know, the the Lord can make you lie down. Lastly, just in thought. You can tie this in with Psalm 81, verses 5 through 16. You look in, well, well, if you want to turn there, you can. I'll just try try to wrap this up fairly quickly for you. This is dealing with Joseph going through Egypt. The Lord says that he caused Joseph, he ordained in Joseph for a testimony where he went through the land of Egypt. But in verse 7, thou callest in trouble and I delivered thee. I answered thee where? In the secret place of thunder. What's he talking about? He's talking about Mount Sinai. Where the Lord told Moses to prepare the people to come into his presence. And the Lord spoke to the children of Israel. And when he come, he come with darkness and with thunder. You can look in, uh, in later on, you can study Exodus 19, 9 and, and verses, uh, also verses 16 and 17. And he put them to the test or proved them at the waters of Meribah. And by the way, that's Exodus 17, 7 and Numbers twenty thirteen. He put them to the test and we say, well... The reason that was identified as, as a place of strife was because they were, they were angry about the water. They were angry about the food. Turn over one place with me, Exodus 17, 7. We'll look at section B of that verse. And it simply says in, the, in, in section B of the verse, because they tempted the Lord. The Lord named the place the way that he did because they tempted the Lord, saying, 
Is the Lord among us or not? You know, when we question whether or not the Lord is with us, we question his word, which is the same as questioning his integrity or his righteousness. Why? Because the Lord promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. And God is not a man that he can lie. As we look at these texts, what I would encourage you, and they may not seem like a whole lot, (laughs) they are to me. Because it's been my prayer daily to spend time in the Lord in that secret place. And it's been amazing the things that he has shown me. It's been amazing his faithfulness. And every time I've called on him, he's never failed. Now... This situation may be how the Lord chooses to end my race. It may not be. have no idea. But I do know that the Lord is faithful. And whatever he chooses to do, I pray that he grants me the strength to face it head on. And that whatever work that he has for me to do, that I faithfully and wisely complete it. Not for my glory but for his. The Lord has been better to me than what I deserve. And my desire, when all is said and done, to be in the house of the Lord, that I may behold his beauty and that I may inquire in his temple. And I hope that would be your desire, that we would all walk closer with the Lord by spending time with him in that secret place. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jim. And we thank you for the word. And thank you for the encouragement, you know, to get into that place. Uh, if there's nothing like a physical trial that will drive you to your knees and crawl right into that little place. And I even told my wife one time, sometimes I just feel like I just want to snuggle right up to God, you know, and just be real close. And those times will put you in a place like that. And I know some of you have been there and you've done that. You've experienced it in your life. You know what it's like. And uh, Brother Jim shared with us from his heart what he's found out through this. And we need that, don't we? We need it. It really teaches us dependence on him. We're grateful for that. Glad you were able to be here with us. Brother Jim, still going through a lot of tests. I know he had one Friday night at 9 o'clock. He had to go get an MRI. And I don't remember what your test... Let's see, you got a, You said you had a trial run, was it, on your fitting of your thing? Well, they, they didn't straight. It was an MRI of the brain just to give you an update. They didn't find anything. Nothing there. <laughs> we got it all here. <laughs> So he has to get the fitting of these things to cover his teeth you know, while he gets the radiation so it won't damage his teeth and a guard for that. And then and then I can't remember, but, I mean, things have changed so much. The date, that you have a date yet set to start all these things, the chemo, radiation, whatever you're going to do? We do a radiation treatment. Well, uh, first radiation treatment will be on the 30th. And I'll have uh, an chemo therapy starting uh, the 31st. The 31st. 30th and then the 31st. So, boy, 
All right, that'll start the whole process then, the 30th and the 31st. So you're on our prayer list. We'll be praying for you. We're going to pray with you right on through this whole thing and pray that you'll come out on the other side having accomplished what God wanted to do and testing your faith and the trial that he's brought brought into your life, and, and we're going to be there with you to pray you through it. All right. Let's uh, sing a hymn of invitation, as we always do. We'll give you an opportunity to come if you so desire today, and we'll be dismissed. Now, oh, yeah, I had to pray down there, see? I prayed, too, and the Lord answered. Lord, don't let me forget this. Um, I, as always, we'll take our guest and his family here out to eat, and we just thought we'd do like we usually do. We're just going to head down to Wally's and... Uh, grab a table there and that anybody that would like to come join us you're most welcome to do that and we'll see if we can enjoy a little more felt you feel up to that great and we'll we'll do that and if you'd like to join with us we'll get a table like we've done before and uh, enjoy some time with the Brooks family Brother Bob.